more points online. We are honored that you're joining us today. And if God is using this ministry to change your life, please let us know at fourpoints.org slash my story. It's because of your generosity that we are able to expand the kingdom. And if you would like to give and be a part of what God is doing, then visit fourpoints.org and select the safe and secure option, or you can download our app and choose to get there as well. We are so excited to hear a powerful message from God's word today. If you're a guest with us, just so that you know where we are, we've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount and going through this series called Counterculture. By these sayings that Jesus said in Matthew 5, where he's like, you heard it said this, but I say this, and it's been fun. I don't know if y'all have been challenged, but I've been challenged personally to preach it, and more importantly, to live it. And so it's been a challenge in my life. I want to say a couple things before I really jump in. First, we're starting a new series next week called Address the Mess. Everybody say Address the Mess. I know that hits everybody in this room. I don't even need to explain it, right? We need to explain it. I'm just going to tell you, we're going to do a series from Mother's Day to Father's Day, and it's going to be fun, and it's going to be awesome, and I really believe God can change the path of your life through this series, if y'all will come. And so I know we got travel, and I know we got Memorial Day through there, and I know we got a lot of other stuff, but I'm asking y'all to commit to do your very best to be here, your very best to be here from Mother's Day to Father's Day, because I really believe... God will change your heart and your life if you'll do your best to commit to be here and bring somebody with you and get that free t-shirt. Come on, somebody. It's a good thing. Guests, we just want to tell you we're honored that you're here. I've seen a lot of first-time guests. Are we thankful, church? Come on. Are we thankful that they decided to join us? I'm thankful. I'm thankful. And then I'm going to jump into the series. And like I said, this is about the Sermon on the Mount and what Jesus was trying to accomplish, trying to do. But y'all, I think we can all agree even in this final week, that the culture that we are watching take place is not the culture that we hope we would see at this present time in 2018. Are y'all with me? Like 10 of y'all are with me and the rest of you are like, y'all like what you see. That's awesome. It's going to be an awkward message because I don't like what I see in a lot of ways. But this is what culture means. Culture is, is the behaviors and the language that define who we are. Culture is not what you put on a wall and say, this is what we want to be. It's really awesome if you got it on the wall and it's what you are or it's what you're aiming to become. But just in review, and I know that y'all know this, but if I tell my kids, do your best, and that's what our culture is, and then they bring home a B, and they did their best, but I punish them for the B. How many of y'all know that I'm creating a culture of, I think you need to do this, not your best? Do y'all understand that? And so a lot of times we get this confused with what we say, we think declares a culture, but what we do, what we are, who we are as human beings, that is what our culture is. So there's a lot of things in this series that Jesus has talked about way in 2,000 years ago, and, and, and it preaches pretty good. It's just not really who we are. Like as a church, as a, as a body, and I'm not talking about just this church, I'm talking about corporately for generations and centuries. It's just not just not the reality of who we are as human beings and followers of Jesus. And so it's really uncomfortable because we're frustrated that the quote-unquote church looks the same as everybody else, but it's because that's what we do. It's the actions and attitudes that we walk by. It's the way that we look and sound and act and smell and, and go about. And So I'm asking y'all to take more showers because I just said smell and it's awkward, but some of y'all will get it later. She can tell you friends, whatever. 
But each week we've done, if, if we want to change the culture, somebody's got to. The first week was go first. And last week was tell the truth. And this week, somebody's got to cross the line. Someone say cross the line. Cross the line. Say it again. Say cross the line. Cross the line. I don't know what y'all think about when you think cross the line, but this is what I think about. And so if y'all don't like to have fun in church, I don't know why y'all are here because y'all know I like to have fun. Come on. But do y'all remember, <laughs> it might just be a dude thing, but I, I'm pretty sure at least the ladies, y'all saw us who were ridiculous actions, acting, we did this. But y'all remember this when, when you were trying to get tough with your friend? You told them, say one more across that line. Y'all remember? Come on, some of y'all did it. Don't act like you didn't. So, I bet you won't. And then they crossed the line, and if they were bigger than you, you just moved the line, right? <laughs> All right, cross this line. And then you're out the door like... All right, cross that one. Quit playing. Don't, don't cross any more lines. But like, when we think of crossing lines, it may be something goofy like that. But this is not the thing that I'm talking about. We're crossing the lines. This is the lines that Jesus is, is calling us to cross. I wonder when you think about people that are different than you, what comes to your mind? I wonder when you think about people that are different than you, what comes to your mind because immediately, and I don't know what it is about us, but immediately we think about people that are different color than us, right? And y'all know I talk about it all the time, but we think about different color, but I, I think it's a little deeper than that because certainly there are cultural differences in different races, but then there's a lot of difference in crossing the line that we have to look at and decide in our hearts what Jesus is actually talking about in the verses that we're going to look at today in Matthew 5. There, there's a lot of differences. Because if I look at people that are like me and the lines that have to be crossed over and walked into and looked at, this is not a belief system about who God is. This is a belief system about the way that I'm to conduct myself to see them. Actually, let me change it a little bit more. If we can just be honest in here, and I know some of y'all may be uncomfortable with honesty, but that's cool. We're just going to be honest together and y'all can just be uncomfortable. How's everybody doing? All right. That we look at most human beings that are not like us as mission projects. Right? Listen, if you're not poor, and we look at poor people and we say, we need to go help them. And then what we do is we want to go cut their grass for 10 minutes and think that we've done something. I'm not being mean. If you cut their grass, that's super nice. But they're still human when you leave. I don't know if y'all know this, right? They still get to be a person after we pull out and leave. And then it's like we feel like God wants to give us a merit badge, like we're Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts that are adults, that we should get a marriage badge for Jesus because we went and did something for God. And I'm telling you, I bet that not everybody in here feels this way, but I know that a lot of my life I felt this way. I feel like I need to call God and give him this update on what I did for him. Hey, God, check this out. I just helped somebody. You welcome? <laughs> I did something for you. And for me, crossing the line is something that you do just to get over on the other side and cross right back over. Because the reality is we like isolation. We like, we like to be, everybody say safe. safe. Because you can't cross the line and be safe. Do y'all know that? Yeah. Like, I know it was a joke, but, but if, if my brother puts up this thing and says cross this line and I decide to cross over it, I'm out of my boundaries. I'm trying to fight. In this case, well, I don't think Jesus is calling us to fight like I'm talking about. What he's calling us to do is just change our minds. To think about things differently. 
to not look at a person who is a different color than you, from a different place than you, that does things different than you, as someone who is an opportunity to be reached. But a human being that is deeply loved by God, as much as I am. I know that bothers some people in here. Actually, it preaches pretty good, so you might can say amen with me. But for it to be our reality, something's got to shift. Something's got to shift. And the title of this message is Love Your... Say it again. Love your enemies. And so, like, if you've grown up in church, you've said this before because we've read this before, right? We've heard love your enemies, but I think we get what an enemy is a little bit wrong. Because I think we think an enemy is just someone that looks a little bit different than me. But I think there's layers to this enemies thing. And that's what I want to look at today. So if you have your Bibles, look at Matthew chapter 5. And starting in verse 43, it says, you've heard it. You've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor. And he says, and hate your enemy. Right? Because that's what is understood. They're bad. They're enemies. You should hate them. They hate you. I feel like I'm supposed to needle a little bit, so I'm on needle. Can I tell you how bad I frustrate people? I love going to Israel, and if, if you know me, you know that. And I've been uh, five times, and I um, and when you're over there, if you want to feel tension in your life ever, you can just be in Jerusalem. And I'm telling you, like Laney and Haston, my kids would know tension. They would look around and feel the tension in that city, in the old city of Jerusalem. And so there's different quarters, different places, different literally in that old city, and it's not real big. You can, you can be in that old city, and you can feel the differences of the people. There's what's called the, the Christian area, and the Armenian area, and the Muslim area, and the Jewish area. And you can tangibly, you can see the difference, because the Jewish area is super beautiful and nice, and, and some of the other areas are more run down, and it's amazing the difference. And you can tangibly feel the hate. Because I know that there's some racial tension here, but y'all listen to me. We ain't throwing bricks at each other every single day over a wall that we pray at. Are y'all awake today? Amen. Three of y'all are. I'm really thankful that three of y'all have stayed awake. But you can tangibly feel the difference in the love and hate. And it makes sense to hate each other. Because since Isaac and Ishmael in the Old Testament in Genesis, they've not liked each other. Some of y'all are like, I don't know what that means. Just look it up. Go read Genesis. It'll be good. But we know that they don't like each other. So this is the part that I get in trouble with people because I tell them this. You would be surprised how nice a lot of Muslim people are. A lot of them. There's over a billion people that are Muslim. And I've had amazing dinners in homes of, of Muslim people over there many times. I hugged the neck of many of them. I know them now. And they weren't trying to kill me. It was amazing. How many of y'all know we've isolated an entire people group? This is not what they believe. This is not are they right. They're not right as far as their belief system. Jesus is the only way. But listen to me. We look at them and we think they have a headband on, right? They have the wrap on. They have a turban. They're going to try to kill me. No. There's some psychos in their midst, in their group, that, that really want to change what you think about the whole group so we can have a holy war one against the other. But the reality is it's one-tenth of one percent of Muslims at best that want to actually kill you. But now when I say that, there's some of you 
that pull the elephant's trunk every time it's time to vote. I ain't talking junk about Republicans now. I'm just saying, if you're a right winger, you're mad at me right now because you want to ban on all Muslims. And now how many of y'all know that if I would have talked about something a little bit less awkward, y'all would have been cool with it because we're supposed to hate our enemies. But Jesus said, but I say to you, love your Muslim brothers and sisters. Hang on a second. And pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his son. This is crazy, y'all. Like when you read this, it's just got to be frustrating because it is to me. Because he makes his son, not just the son, and this isn't S-O-N, not Jesus. He makes the big red ball and it's orange, whatever. Y'all just go with it because you know what I'm talking about. He makes that thing in the sky rise on the evil and on the good. And sends the rain on the just and the unjust. He does it. He does it. But it's uncomfortable because as soon as I look someone look at someone that is that much different to me, the thing that I want to do is build up a wall. Everybody say wall. Because isn't that what we want to do? Now, let me say this before I keep moving. I'm not saying that there should not be a wall built. In, in, in the southern border of the United States. This has nothing to do with politics. I am not saying that at all, so please do not hear me wrong. That, if they want to make that decision, that's the best thing they can do. I, I'm not mad at them. I'm talking about us. We are not the government. We're a higher government. Is everybody awake? And I'm telling you, in God's kingdom, there is not walls being built to keep them out. Because the only thing, like when I talk to people, I remember when I was a student pastor seven years ago and I was a student pastor for several years, the one thing that parents wanted me to do, and I didn't do a real good job of this, so y'all forgive me, but I, the one thing that parents wanted me to do is keep their kids, y'all, y'all know it, say it, safe. As long as Johnny and Susie's safe, I hope no one's named Johnny and Susie because you feel awkward right now. As long as Johnny and Susie's safe, we're happy. 99% of the parents didn't care that kids were coming in who were very far from God and getting saved. They didn't care nothing about that. As a matter of fact, most of them did not want the quote-unquote, this is what I was told, riffraff who were smoking behind the building and doing their skateboards and looked different and sounded different and acted different, but they weren't Muslim. They weren't that far different. They wanted them to keep them away. Pastor Mark, we don't care if you run 30 or 25. We just don't want all that mess around our kids. And I just, think, I just think this to myself when I say these words. I wonder how many of us would say, man, shame on them, whoever the thems are. And then in our lifestyles, in our homes, in the way that we conduct ourselves in our everyday lives, we actually do the exact same thing of what I used to be told. Come on, it's getting quiet in here. And it's because isolation feels safe. I feel like I feel like a lot of times just loving our neighbors, the people that are like us, the people that sound like us, the people that go through life like us, it feels like the safe thing to do and the right thing to do, and it makes sense. And I do not believe in this passage Jesus was calling us to foolishness. If there's a terrorist living across the street, you should call the FBI, everybody. Come on. Talk to me. And they can get the Navy SEALs. They don't need to get you, Right? But this is not what we're talking about. We're talking about people that look like the terrorists, but they're not one. Because we've, we've combined all of them together and we hate them. 
Because somebody's got to cross the line. Here's what I want y'all to know. This is the constant battle of our lives, isolation versus invitation. And we ask this question. Y'all say this out loud with me. What's in it for? What's in it for me? Like before I love somebody, and I I know I'm the only one in the room. I'm aware that I'm the one that's guilty of this and nobody else is. Y'all say. But if I'm going to do something for you, even if I don't ask this out loud, what I'm asking myself actually is this. What's in it for? What's in it for me? I'm just going to say this and I'm going to let it sit for a minute. I wonder what would have happened if Jesus would have asked that to, to God. Like, can y'all see the meeting that was taking place upstairs in heaven? Upstairs, that sounds really funny when it comes out of my mouth. Upstairs in heaven. <laughs> Wherever heaven is, way up there. Can y'all, can y'all just hear the meeting taking place? Hey, Jesus, come over here. Let me talk to you. All those people down there that the Bible describes having as enemies with God, having enmity with God because of my sin, they, they, they reject you with their lifestyles. They don't love you naturally. They live in rebellion to you all the time. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to cross the line from heaven to hell or from heaven to earth. And I want you to die for them. What's in it for me? That's a good question that Jesus should have been asking at that time. Like I, I want to ask him sometime, did you ever ask this question, God, what is in it for me? Because this is crazy talk. Because what Jesus should have done is just isolated himself in that moment and said, well, I'm God, I don't have to do this. And he didn't. Except that he wanted to because he loves us that much. The next verse says, for if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? And I can answer that question because I I tried to this week. I tried to evaluate my life and answer this question. What reward do I have? Well, I'll get them to love me back and I can get stuff from them and they can get stuff from me and we can share life together and this is all good. So the way that we're supposed to do life together is only people that look like me, sound like me, act like me, live like me. And I should never cross lines because it's weird and we can can just stay put. And there's certain things that we never talk about at the family table because if we disagree, it might be awkward and we don't want to make it awkward because we're not allowed to disagree. And it's because we haven't learned how to disagree without disrespecting each other, but that's another message for another day. Come on, somebody. And he's like, listen, you do what everybody else has done. He said, do not even the tax collectors. Now, this may not make sense to you if you don't read the Bible all the time, but the tax collectors were the most hated people on the planet at the time. Like they were filthy. They were thieves. They were vicious. They took from everybody. And he's like, even they do this. They hang out with each other. At least they got a group of people that they can love that look like them, sound like them, and act like them. And if, and if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do that. In other words, in other words, do not even people far from me, this is Jesus speaking, do not even people who don't look or sound or act anything like Jesus, me, don't they do the same thing that we're doing? Now, can I just stop for one second? And I can, so y'all don't have to answer that. It was rhetorical. Keep going. Because here's what I thought. Here's what I thought. I say, I say this so much, and I look, and like when pastors get together and discuss stuff, or when church leaders get together in here and discuss stuff, we say stuff like, 
All of the statistics inside the church are the same as the outside of the church. Why is that? It's because we've not changed our mindset. We let hell come out of us because Jesus died for us. And a lot of us that know Jesus have done it. I don't have to go to hell anymore. This is awesome. Praise God. And we've lived the same that we lived before Jesus. Three people agreed and got to God be the glory. Because we thought that Jesus just came to die so that we could do our thing. But I'm going to tell you something. Jesus didn't just come to die so we could do our thing. It was so we could do his thing. My motivation should be his motivation now, but it cannot happen naturally, y'all. Because I don't know about y'all, but I've tried that just trying to make it happen thing before. And if my motivation is just to make God happy, I'm going to mess it up. And I'll end up hating my brothers. Better yet, they're the other brothers that he's talking about. Come on. But there's something to be said about isolating other people and isolating ourselves and just making them groups. Are y'all with me? I'm going to get a little bit, I would say on some thin ice or some eggshells, but I'm not going to feel nervous about it. If anybody's going to feel nervous, it might be y'all. So I need everybody to do something with me. Because I want to talk about some groups today. I already hit on the Muslims, and everybody knows what I'm talking about, but maybe you don't have any friends or people that you know that are Muslim, but I know you've seen these. What about the alt-right? And you know what? I don't want to give them a pass and call them alt-right, so I'll just use the word KKK. See, I knew it would be crickets in here when I got on this. (laughs) Come on now. Come on now. Because now I'm disgusted. Y'all need to hear my heart. I'm disgusted with their stances and the fact that people put them in the category of Christian. Hang on now. They're who I'm supposed to be loving. Now, y'all need to hear this. Loving does not mean that I'm accepting of their behavior. We've gotten that all jacked up. Like, we think all of a sudden that if I love you, that I'm all of a sudden accepting the behavior that you're deciding to live. That does not mean what the Bible, the Bible does not say. Matter of fact, if the Bible said that, then why did Jesus come? Because he could have just accepted my behavior as I was, and Jesus wouldn't have needed to die. So somehow in our, in our skewed view, we either have to hate them and their behavior or love them and their behavior. We can't have a balance of what God wanted us to do and start building bridges for the kingdom of God. We've decided that we have to hate them and hate their behavior or love them and love their behavior and accept all the world's behaviors is good. I'm telling y'all right now, I don't know if y'all know this, but hating someone for their color is not good and I do not accept that. Come on. But I'm still supposed to love them. Which means I should be willing to have a conversation with them as disgusted by their actions as I am but we'd like to isolate them. Everybody say them. Because isn't it a lot easier when you live your life and you say those people, those people. I'm not like them, but it changes things, Tony, when I say I'm not like him. Come on now. Because all of a sudden, Tony's not a them. Tony's a him. He's a real person with real DNA, with real blood running through his veins, with real heart and soul going through his entire body, real problems, real emotions, real life. 
And I don't like to personify the them because it's a lot easier to say them than it is him or it is her. It's a lot easier to say them. Y'all look at this. We love to group our enemies together because it's easier to hate one million people than it is to love one. The theologian Joseph Stalin, that's a joke if y'all don't know that. For the young people, if y'all have not studied, this is one of the fathers of communism. This is the Soviet Union big daddy back in the day. This is what he said. A single death is a tragedy, but a million deaths is a statistic. Wow, that was easy for me to say. Statistic. And that may not make sense to you, but let a group of people that you hate, a group, a group of people, a large group of people, let them all die. And we'll high-five each other and celebrate that. But let somebody that you know, let somebody that you know die, and it breaks our hearts. It breaks our hearts because a single death is tragic, and especially when it's personal, especially when they live in my bubble, in my circle, especially when it's someone that loves me back. So I want to show them love, but what about the people that hate me? What about the people that hate me? Like crossing the line, this crossing the line thing, because I I wanted to do somebody's got to love, but I realized this, we all love somebody. We just all don't love everybody. It is impossible. I'm going to give you all a pass, but we're not going to believe this for the rest of eternity. We're going to start believing that we can change the world, that we can see things differently. It's impossible to keep doing what we're doing and love everybody. It's impossible to ever love everybody because I am human and so are you. We have a nature that is sinful. It is impossible, impossible this side of heaven to ever get this exactly right. But I'm going to tell you something. If we keep going down the same road that we've been on, we will jack things up just like it is. And let me tell you who is at fault for this whole situation. You ready? Me. 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 Because I don't know anybody that has a harder time with this than I do. I got y'all's attention now. I can feel it. Like, Pastor, you preach the good stuff. Yeah, but when I'm driving down the road and one of them... Listen to me. Does something to me. It's a little bit different than if it's one of mine. Because then they just become a statistic and I can group them together with all their people. And then I can wonder this. Why are they so far from God? Why are they so far from God? Why is this such a difficult proposition? Why won't they... Get it. I just need to hit on this for a second because I believe a friend of mine showed me this this week and I was like, man, that's really good. That makes perfect sense. And I never thought about it that way. I thought about it in a very simple way in the past. Jesus said when he was ascending into heaven, you'll be my witnesses. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, Acts 1.8, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And I've always just thought ends of the earth makes sense. You got to get in an airplane to go to the ends of the earth. The Samaritans were people that Jews, Jews hated, and so that's people that live here that we hate each other, and, and it makes sense, and they're right. They're our neighbors still. And, and the Judeans, it's the same place, but it's a little bit different. So some of y'all would say, if you're not from the South, that's the Judean. Come on, somebody, because they're different than us. <laughs> like three of y'all said amen. The rest of y'all think it if you're from the South. And then Jerusalem is my people. 
Everybody say, my people. That's, that's, that's what Jerusalem represents. You know what I think we want to do? I, I thought this my whole life, and I just feel this, this intense feeling from the Lord that I've got to say some things today that address some issues. Forever we've wanted to go on mission trips, and I'm very much for mission trips. I love missions. But we love to go on mission trips to their country so we can do something for somebody for one week and then come home and not have to give them some of us. And y'all, I went to Nicaragua nine times, so I'm not anti-mission trips. I love mission trips. I just think we have to change our mindset that if we're not willing to do it here, we probably ought not do it there. Amen. I hope y'all hear my heart. I, I don't love everything that I'm saying because I ain't doing it here every single day. Because I've realized this in my life, that there's people in the ends of the earth that live on the same street as me. Y'all know that? I use this term called the 1040 window, where less than one-tenth of one percent in the people in that window, and it's geographical, in that window have ever heard the gospel. And I just think to myself, there's people that live on my street that are in that same boat, but they don't look, sound, act, think like me, and they're actually my enemy because they wear a turban. They're actually my, my enemy because they burned a cross 10 years ago. They're actually my enemy because they're part of the Black Lives Matter, and I don't get that crap because all lives matter, and I don't know what's wrong with them. And so it goes from someone that's a little bit different than me and might vote different than me to someone that I outright hate. Like, just look at our political system today that, that we see these fights on social media, and I laugh out loud because I think to myself, we're adults. But then I look at my own life and I think, but if you disagree with me, I get in the same boat and I, I let this thing rise up inside my body to where I'm so angry at you, I dare not try to love you because I'd end up cussing you. Because what you're asking me to do, and this is freaking ridiculous, right? Isn't this how we are? This is freaking ridiculous. They're asking me to cross the line. They're asking me to come over to their side. Like, why don't they come to my side? How many times have we had this argument? Come on, I know I'm not the only one in here. They need to come my way. I'm not coming over to their way. This is ridiculous. And we bow up and we start building these walls. Because I don't know if y'all remember this, but I've taught this many times that an offended brother is like a fortified city who builds walls in their lives. We live offended, y'all. We are offended human beings. We find things. Y'all, if you want to find something wrong with me, listen to me today, you will. Because I got all kinds of things wrong. Actually, I love to tell you the things wrong so I can expedite the process. Come on, somebody. Because there's a lot jacked up about your pastor. But you know the one thing that we dislike more than anything else? Because I'm willing to come your way if you can keep me safe. If I can keep control. If I can make sure that all the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted. But the one thing that I don't want to do, want to do is to be willing to be, what is this? To the people that hate me. That I'm willing to open my life up and come to their fence and say, I know there's a fence line up, but I'm willing to sit on the fence and lean on it and talk to you and let you know that I don't think of you as someone to be reached, but a human being that God deeply loves. 
that the sun rises and sets on you just like it rises and sets on me. And the king of glory is the one that makes the sun rise. And even though I don't understand you, and even though I don't approve of the way that you believe or think or act, I don't have to let that be known. I don't, this is breaking news, everybody. Do you know they already know that? Let me say that again. Do y'all know that they already know that about us? I feel like I'm supposed to say something about this, so I'm going to do it. Do y'all know how much the gay community believes this about Christians? It disgusts me. Because we're so homophobic. Like, we think that it's our job to tell a group of people how much we disprove of a lifestyle. Watch this. I promise you that 99% of, I'm going to use the word because it's funny today, based on that them, they know how we believe. They just don't know that we're supposed to love them. Actually, let me just say a little bit more. They do know that we don't love them based on the way that we hate them. And I watch some of my buddies who pastor large churches who say from the stage, we welcome homosexuals into our church and they get crucified, watch this, by the church. And I'm like, what is wrong with us? Jesus said, cross the line. But we look at people and we say, ooh, you're gross. Ooh, you have a turban on, John. I can never love you. I can never love you. I can never love you. And I just wonder this out loud because I'm going to, what if our God was that way? What would have happened? Because God is so disgusted by sin that he turned his back on Jesus on the cross because he took on all the sin of the world, but he never turned his back on a human. He never stopped believing there was a chance. Jesus came not to, not to condemn the world, but that through him they might be saved. The Bible says it's not his will that anyone should perish, but there are some people that we've decided should perish because their sin's way worse than mine. And then Jesus ends with this funny statement, y'all. I think this is really funny. He says, all right, so, wrong way. That ain't Jesus, that's Joseph. Come on, somebody. He said, you therefore must be healed just as your heavenly father is perfect. Like that's a funny place to end because you're like, okay, this is awesome. <laughs> Praise God, we should take up an offering now because we sure ain't going to do this. Come on, somebody. Like I can't get this done. But here's what we can do is we can try to understand what he meant by you must be perfect. Because the word perfect does not mean what we think of as perfect. It means to come into completion day after day with Christ Jesus. And can I tell you what I realized about my own life this week, and maybe I'm the only one, but I bet not, is whenever I do something for someone, whenever I act good for someone, whenever I'm, 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 I'm trying to cross a line and not all lines. Jesus wasn't a color inside the lines kind of guy, y'all. He came and made all new lines. He took those lines and made them new. He said, all of you can come inside my lines. I'm not an inclusive God. I'm an exclusive to every, I, 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 I include everyone as an opportunity, but you got to come my way. So that means you cross the lines. And this is what, listen, this is what Romans chapter five says. He said he demonstrated, I've used this a lot lately. He said he demonstrated his love by sending Jesus to die for us. But two verses later in, in verse 10, I want y'all to look it up. Romans chapter five, verse 10. That I was an enemy of God. I was an enemy of God. It literally uses this word. We were enemies of God. 
but in order to reconcile us, which means cross a line and pull us to himself, Jesus died. Jesus saw you in your mess, saw you in your frustration, saw you in the place that you don't ever want someone to see and became vulnerable unto death. He does not ask you to become vulnerable unto a physical death. He asks you to become vulnerable unto a spiritual death every day to realize that I will never be perfect on this side of heaven, but every day that I offer this body a living sacrifice that's holy and pleasing to God, then I am doing this as a process every day of my life. But the problem is I look at my life and say, I did something for them, so I'm good, and we settle. And we get comfortable. And we wonder why the world isn't changing in a culture that is greater than the one that currently exists. And it's because we don't have the time or the money or the resources to even want to worry with this thing. But we're willing to love people that look like us and sound like us and act like us. Y'all, this is hard. But we serve a God that is crazy in love with each one of us. And all of, watch this, all of them all of those people, all of the outliers, all of the people that we've cast away, set aside, said you can't have any place. Let me tell you the place they're going to have a place. And you can decide in your heart if you want to have a place like this. This place is where they can have a place. This church is where they're going to have a place. We're going to be the church that looks at everybody and says, you're not an outlier anymore. I don't care what your mama was. I don't care what cross you burned. God stood on a cross so you could have a chance to know Jesus. And we will be the church that invites every single human being in. Come on, somebody. We will be the church that invites every single person inside this walls. We will do life with everybody. We will cross every single line. We will not judge people. Listen, we will not judge people in their eternity. We will let God be the judge of their eternity. We will stand on the truth. We will not be afraid to call sin, sin, but we won't hate a sinner. Ever again. Never again. I need someone to say, cross the line. Here's how I want to close today. I want you to consider the words of this song. Reckless Love is one of my favorite songs right now, y'all. It is messing my heart up. And I'm going to get off the stage so I don't cry in front of y'all today. But I'm going to come back up at the end, and I want you to ask God this one question. One question. I want you to ask God this question. Not what are they doing. Not what is he doing. It's time to stop saying they and he, and it's time to start looking inside at me. What lines do you want me to cross? Because for some of you, it's from death to life because he crossed over from life to death. He came from heaven to earth and then went up on a cross. The crossover took place first when he did it. And some of you need to give your heart and life to him. And so I want you to consider the words of this song. I want you to just ask God during this song. It may be a little quieter in here while y'all are singing with our team. But I want you to ask God this question. Have I ever really crossed over and realized that I was as far away from you as they are from me and then some, but you crossed over for me. You have a reckless love for me. So God, we ask you to move in our hearts right now as we sing this song, stir in our hearts. And I just believe God that you wanna draw people to yourself. So we just thank you for having that reckless love for crossing over and for being who you said you are in Jesus name. Amen, y'all sing with us.